0: Hey, I am glad that you are here, and I hope when you came, you brought a Bible with you. If not, I hope you'll scoot next to somebody who did. We're going to be looking at a couple of different chapters in the book of Genesis, looking at the life of Abraham and how he walked in wisdom toward the people who chose not to follow the Lord. Uh, Sometimes we have a hard time figuring out how we should respond to people. Um, There are unsaved people who, you know... I remember one time Kathy and I were talking to a guy who was trying to sell us on something. I don't remember what he was trying to sell, but he was at our kitchen table. And then he said, so I want you to make this decision. And, you know, think about this. And a decision you have to make now most of the time. If it's a decision you have to make now, it's not really a good one. Unless, of course, it's your doctor saying (laughs) choose to live or not. But uh, if it's a salesperson and they're insisting you make the decision now... Most of the time, that's not really a good decision. And we told him, listen, we made a commitment before we got married that we would pray about big financial decisions, so we want to step away and pray. And the guy said, well, just remember, the good book says the Lord helps those that help themselves. And so Kathy reached over to the little counter near the table, and picked up her Bible and said, Really? I've read this through 13 times. I've never seen that. Would you please show me where? (laughs) He didn't know what to do. Now, I'm not certain that was the most effective way to interact with somebody who was uh, sharing the Bible that way, but I loved it at the time. (laughs) It was great. But lost people are lost people. They don't act like Christians. They don't think like Christians. Even new Christians don't think like mature Christians because they haven't learned things yet. I remember years ago talking with a guy who'd had a very ungodly lifestyle and then he became a Christian and he said it was about a year and a half after he became a Christian, he realized his lifestyle was not consistent with being a Christian and then he worked to change it. But for the first year and a half there wasn't much change. And so... Abraham walks in wisdom toward those who chose not to follow, who choose not to follow the Lord. He he made wise interaction with them. And there's four areas that I want us to think about what Abram did. Abraham did. Sometimes in the Bible he's called Abram. Then God changed his name to Abraham. So part of the scripture we'll look at this morning. He's Abraham, and part of it, he's still Abram, and it's the same guy. Uh, but walking in wisdom toward people who are not following the Lord. What can we learn from looking at what Abraham did? In the New Testament, it said all the stuff in the Old Testament, all the histories, all the prophecies, all the stories, uh, all of it was written for our learning. So we're going to look back. We're going to learn from Abraham. Father, we thank you that you gave us examples in the Scripture Uh, A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Abraham being a man of faith, and last week we looked at Abraham and his fears, and today we're going to learn from Abraham and how he interacted with people who were not aligned with you, who were not following you. And I pray that you'd help us to learn from Abraham, that we would learn what you would have us to do in our day in circumstances that could be similar to what Abraham went through. May you speak to our hearts and lives this day, please, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis chapter 13, that's where we're going to start, Genesis chapter 13. And we're going to look at Abram and uh, Abram and his nephew Lot. Now, it says at the beginning of this passage that Abram and uh, went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with him into the south. They went up into the south because they were down in Egypt. Now they're going into the southern part of what is known today as Israel and Canaan and Palestine and the regions around there. Uh, He was moving back up into Canaan. And in verse 2, Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his... By the way, did you notice that Abraham is a man who follows God and he was rich? A lot of people say rich people are evil because they take advantage of people. No, some rich people are evil. Some people are rich because they're wise and invested wisely and saved. And God has blessed a lot of Christian ministries through wealthy people who gave generously. Churches have been built and hospitals and schools because of wealthy people who gave generously. So um, it's not evil to have wealth. But it's bad if wealth has you. If money grips your heart, then you got a problem. Uh, it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you're obsessed with money, you have a spiritual problem. But God allowed some people to be very rich, and Abraham was. Rich in cattle and silver and gold. I wouldn't mind the silver and gold thing. I'm just as happy that he didn't bless me with cattle. Uh, verse number three. He went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them. You got two guys with lots of animals. You got to have grazing land for animals. And so there were two guys, and when they were together, it was just too much. And so verse 8, Abram said to Lot, listen, let's not have this strife between us, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. Look at the whole land, and he said, look, you choose to go one way, and I'll go the other way. And so, in verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and separated, they separated themselves, the one from the other. So they're all grouped together. It's too much, so Lot, you go the way you choose. And so Lot goes off to the east, and Lot moves down there. Why? Because it's a beautiful area. Lots of water, lots of vegetation. His livestock could thrive. He heads down there. And Abram stays away, stays up on the higher country, the drier country, uh, in a little more arid desert area. And Abram says that because he gave Lot choice, and Lot went down there. In verse 12, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But... Verse 13, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Yeah, they were. The men of Sodom, uh, the word sodomite came from Sodom. Homosexuality was called sodomy. Uh, Still is in some of the countries that have laws against it. Um, uh, But they weren't just homosexuals, they were violent. Uh, as, as If you read Genesis 19, they're, they want to attack and, and violent and indulge and abuse. And uh, all sin is evil. God hates all sexual sin from pornography to homosexuality and everything in between. God hates all sexual sin. But God hates all sin So if you never commit homosexuality, but you lie, God hates your lying. If you you behave inappropriately, God hates it, whatever the inappropriate behavior is. He loves you, cares about you, but he hates sin. And so when we look at the the men of Sodom were sinners, wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly, don't just think, oh yeah, that's because they were gay. No, this is more than gay. God does hate homosexuality. It's an abomination, he said. But he also said uh, having a false scale when you're weighing something is an abomination. So a guy who would cheat on his mileage for his expense report, that's an abomination. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, butcher... A lady went into the butcher, and she wanted a one-pound chicken. So he put this chicken on the scale, and it was only three-quarters of a pound. And she said, no, I really wanted a one-pound chicken. And he went in the back. He only had one chicken. So he, he thought, I know what I can do. He went out to the front, and he put the chicken in the scale, and he put his thumb on the scale. He said, hey, this one is a one-pound chicken. She said, oh, that's great. I'll take both of them. <laughs> Busted! Busted! God said that false scale is an abomination before him. So when you think of the men of Sodom being great sinners, focus on the violence and the outrage and the, and the abuse that they did regardless of their sexual orientation. Yes, homosexuality is wrong. But they were exceedingly violent and vicious people. What they wanted to do with guests in their town was abominable. And that's where Lot went. Lot and his wife and his girls. But Abraham chose differently. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. He chose not to go to Lot, with Lot to Jordan. He dwelt up the hill. He Abraham, here's the key, kept his distance from people known for their wickedness. He kept his distance from people known for their wickedness. Oh, I was not a nice young man. I got in a lot of trouble in different ways and different things. Uh, When I went to church, I tried to be nice and pretend to be a Christian, but I wasn't one at the time. And there were some people in our youth group, like Kathy was in our youth group. She was always really nice to me. But some of the other people in our youth group would tell me, I should go away and I shouldn't come back because I was a hindrance to what God could do. And, And I didn't deserve to be in their youth group. And we need to reach out to people. We need to show love to people. But we also have to have a separation to not join in with them. Like Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15, 32, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits or good morals. Evil company does. So if your very best friend is not following the Lord and is following wickedness, then you could be drawn into that. If you're a business manager and uh, you're... A fellow manager is corrupt in what he's doing. You could end up going to jail with him if you both get arrested. I've seen that happen. Uh, years ago, there was a, an a organization called the Baptist Foundation. It was an investment in retirement, and you could invest money in the Baptist Foundation. How It can't get better than Baptist, right? I mean, you know, you could invest in the Baptist Foundation, and all these people did. And there were two guys in the Baptist Foundation who were corrupt. And they stole, and they they actually created a Ponzi scheme, and the whole thing imploded, and they went to prison. But there was a third guy who was innocent, but he went to prison too. And the court said he didn't do due diligence. He could have known about it and did it. So he went to jail for several years when he was just a Christian guy trying to do what's right but he hung around with guys that worked. Now, if you know the end story of Abraham and Lot, you know Abraham made a brilliant choice. He separated from the guys of Sodom. He did not go join in with them as Lot did. Be friendly to everyone, but your closest friends should also share your deepest values. Now look at chapter 14. Chapter 14, there's a battle that takes place at the beginning of this. There's five kings against four kings, and there's this struggle and this difficulty. But what really concerns us this morning is you get down to about verse 14, I think it is. Um, Well, verse 13. There came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew... For he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eskol and brother of Aner. And there were, they were these were confederate with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, when it says his brother, it's not talking about his birth brother. A lot was his nephew, but he was his brother in family, uh, like... Uh, I call men in the church brother uh, because we're brothers in the Lord. We aren't birth brothers. I have birth brothers, uh, but they don't live here. Uh, And so when some people say, well, the Bible can't decide what's right. Was Lot his nephew or his brother? He was his nephew, but they were also brothers in the camaraderie sense of brotherhood. And... So Abram took off after him with his 318 armed, trained men. That's a pretty big household, isn't it? Imagine all the stock and all the food sources. And all. How'd you like to be chef for that group? How many will be at dinner tonight, Abraham? Oh, about 400. Um, well, actually, because this is just the men, so it could have been three or four times this number. And they wouldn't have all eaten together either. Just making fun with that. So uh, they went down and pursued them unto Dan. And then in verse 15, he divided himself against them, he and his servants by night, and smote them and pursued them to Hobah, which is the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods... And also brought again his brother, or nephew, or his compadre, Lot, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. So, uh, first thing we see here is that Abraham got involved when people suffered. He got involved when people suffered. He chose not to go to Sodom. Lot went down to Sodom. Abram went away, or Lot... East and west. Well, keep it going east. Lot went down to Sodom, going east. Abraham stayed up in the higher country to the west, toward the hills. And Abram had nothing to do with that place. But when they got captured and Lot got carried away, Abraham gathered up all his guys and he went after them. Now, it doesn't describe how the battle went. There's no gory details of severed necks and arms and legs. It's just they went. They conquered, and they brought back, which is good enough. It's a G-rated war story, right? Uh, But Abraham was stirred. He could have sat up here on the hill, and he could have said, (laughs) Lot made his choice. He can live with it. He made a dumb choice. Now he's living with the consequences. Serves him right. I chose the high ground morally and physically. He could have said that, but he didn't. He went to rescue. You know, in the New Testament, it says repeatedly that Jesus was moved with compassion toward individuals, toward people that were suffering, toward groups. And when Jesus was moved with compassion, he did things. What what were some of the things Jesus did when he was moved with compassion? Yeah, he raised a dead son. He healed people. He touched people. He touched a leper. He spoke to people. He spoke to women. In their culture, that was not normal. And not only did he speak to women, he listened to them. And even in our culture, that's not always very normal, right, ladies? He spoke to them and listened to them. And Jesus cared about people. And he was moved with compassion on his way to the cross. Jesus said, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and your children. He was focusing on their needs. And because of his compassion, he was engaging and involved and ministered to people. And you and I have that opportunity today. We have the same Holy Spirit of God inside us that was inside Jesus that was upon Abraham. We have the Spirit of God. And we can minister to people. Isn't it nice when somebody ministers to you? Doesn't it just really encourage you? It makes you feel good. You get a note, an email, a text, a call, a hug. It really helps. And you have the opportunity to share that with others. Abram got involved when people suffered. Secondly, Abraham trusted the Lord and did not depend on the generosity of those who were not following the Lord. You catch that? He trusted the Lord and he did not depend on the generosity of those who were not following the Lord. Let's look at it, okay? Uh, so they brought everything back in verse 16. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Cherolomar, and the kings which were with him at the Valley of Shaven and at the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine, Brought forth bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed Abraham Abram said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, a possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And Abraham gave him tithes of all. So um, he was, Abraham was very generous toward Melchizedek. He gave. Now, normally when someone would go in battle, there's, there's a concept called spoils of war. So normally the one who won the battle, what would happen? What would he do? He keep the spoils. What a spoil of war was you had the battle, you kept it. When the United States had the war of, we call the Revolutionary War, that my niece who lives in England calls the War of the Insurrection. Uh, when we had that conflict and we won, we kept the land and all the goods from the land. We no longer sent taxes over to England. We kept it. Why? A spoil of war. And Abraham could have, by rights, kept everything because he was the conqueror. Now, did did you think about this? Five kings went up against four kings and lost. And one guy with his trained servants went and conquered the four kings So he had just beat nine kings. He could have kept everything, but he didn't. He chose to trust the Lord and not the people. And instead of being one who grasped and took what he could get, that's what, you know, America motto is, take what you can get, right? You get what you can, you can what you get, then you sit on the can, right? That's the American way. Uh, But Abraham wanted to be generous, so the the very first thing Abraham did was give stuff away instead of hoarding it. And then look what happens. Uh, The king of Sodom uh, came up in verse 21 and said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods to yourself. So he said, I'll take the people back, but you keep everything you conquered. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldst say, I have made Abram rich. Now see, the, the king of Sodom was an evil man in a wicked city. And Abram says, I'm not taking anything. And then in verse 24, he says, only you could give some to these men who helped. And he names three men, and the king of Sodom could give some to those guys. But Abraham, Abram would take nothing. Uh, Abram gave to the Lord through Melchizedek, but refused any money from the hand of the people of Sodom. Now, In chapter 23, it describes Sarah's death and Abraham's wife. And Abraham had an opportunity to buy a field and a cave to bury her in. And the guy wanted to just give it to Abraham, and Abraham insisted on buying it. He wanted everyone to know that he was trusting the Lord. Now, uh, in a way, we do this with our missionaries. When we have a missionary go to another country... They don't charge the people in that country for their ministry. We support them. Uh, we give to make it happen. There's a bulletin board back there, a big map with all kinds of missionaries. There's pictures that slide through of different missionaries. Uh, you Remember little Andrew, who's the son of of uh, the the Hutas, Keith and Lourdes Huta. Uh, They're in a Spanish ministry in Colorado. And little Andrew is now bigger than dad and graduating from high school. Uh, But we support these people, and they don't ask the people they're witnessing to to pay money for the gospel. They want people to know it's a free gift from the Lord. And Abraham said, I want to make sure nobody in this area can ever say, I helped make Abram rich. I want them to know this is the hand of God and God's blessing. Um, In the 1800s, I think, that's when George Mueller left, right? The 1800s. George Mueller uh, ran orphanages in England. And he had several orphanages. Thousands of kids uh, went through his orphanages. And George Mueller had a rule that he would never ask anyone for any money. It's not wrong for us as a church to say, we have a special need, we're trying to raise funds for the roof project. How many of you remember what was the special offering we were doing before the roof issue came up? A van, uh, to to get a new van for the church, and we're about halfway there, and then we had to stop and do the roof. Why? Why would we do the roof first, if you have to ask that question (laughs) You got problems, okay? Your roof's a little more important than a van. Uh, And so we have had the roof completely fixed, but we're only about halfway through paying for it. So uh, what you give is help. It's not wrong to ask for funds like that. It would not be wrong for me to go to your house, ring your doorbell and say, is there some way you could help give extra to the church? That would not be wrong. But George Mueller decided he just didn't want to do it. He decided he wanted to only ask God. So every day he'd get on his knees, talk to God about his financial needs, and share it with nobody. And God miraculously provided for him year after year after year. Abram said, I am not going to take anything from you. My support comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth, the most high God. Now, put it in the context where you live today. Probably no king's going to come and try and pay you uh, money because you rescued all the people in his kingdom. Probably not. But some of you have a job. Do you trust your employer or your savior for your income? Some of you are retired. You have a fixed income. And the Holy Spirit may burden your heart to give towards some project or someone. And as the Holy Spirit burdens your heart to do that, you think, well, I'm not sure my income can handle that. If you stifle the Spirit's leading, you're hurting yourself. You can be generous even when you don't have much. And you can follow the Lord's leading. And you trust the Lord for your future. Not your employer. Not the good faith and fidelity of the United States government. (laughs) Not anything earth-centered. You trust the one who rules in the heavens. Who could, if he wanted to, allow you to discover a gold mine in your backyard. He's the one you trust. That's what Abraham did. He trusted the Lord. It did not depend on the generosity of those who were not following the Lord. He wanted everyone to know, this is what the Lord has done. Not, hey, look at all these people. I'd like to thank my sponsors. Chapter 18. Turn over to chapter 18. Chapters 18 and 19 are a couple of really ugly chapters in the Bible Uh, It introduces the judgment God is going to bring on Sodom and Gomorrah. And just very, very hard reading. Um, But uh, it's important for us to learn from it. We're only going to look at a little bit of it. Chapter 18, verse 16. Uh, some visitors had come to Abraham, and he had fetched food for them. They uh, had a meal for them, and now they're getting ready to leave. The men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? The United States of America is blessed through Jesus Christ, who is a descendant of Abraham. We're all blessed because of Abraham. And then he says in verse 19, For I know him. Did you know that God knows you? I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. Do you command yourself, your household, your children to follow God? And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, and that that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, there's a cry of the injured and a grievous sin that's taking place. I will go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, Remember in the Old Testament, well, this is still Old Testament, but earlier in the Old Testament, in Genesis, uh, when uh, Cain killed Abel, the Lord said, Abel's blood cried from the ground. And so in Sodom, there's this cry that only God can hear of the evil wickedness taking place in that city, in those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities of the plain. And at, uh, verse 22, the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And here's what he did. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? that be far from thee to do after this matter, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. That shall be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And then Abraham keeps going. He says, okay, Lord, forgive me, I'm but dust and ashes, but I'm going to ask again. What if there's only 45. And then the Lord said, I won't destroy for 45. In verse 30, what, what if there's only 30? Um, what if there's only 20? Um, verse 32, oh, let not my Lord be angry. I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure 10 shall be found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left Communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. How many people were with Lot when he went toward Sodom and Gomorrah? How many people were with Abraham? How many fighting men were with Abraham? Over 300 fighting men. So chances are each of those fighting men would have a spouse and maybe one or two or three or 19 kids the way they did back then. You know, uh, there were families attached to that. And so uh, Lot went with a large group, maybe not 300, maybe his was a little smaller than Abraham, but, but there was a good number of them. And he went down to Sodom. And as he he went down to Sodom in the east, and and he dwelt there in Sodom. And and Abraham was expecting that Lot would have kept some of those people or reached some of the people. Um, Now, in uh, chapter 19, Lot is sitting at the gate of Sodom. Now, that doesn't mean much in our culture. Do we have a city gate? No, but how many of you, when you come up to the church, you come in the door, you see a guy named Dean Miller and he has a bulletin in his hand and he shakes your hand and welcomes you. Anybody have that experience? What what is Dean doing? He's welcoming people in. Why does Dean do that? Because he's connected with the family of faith here called Victory Baptist Church. Lot is sitting in the gate. He's connected with the people of Sodom. Not only that, but in their culture, the gate was like the courthouse. It was like the community center. It was like the, the active area. You know, In the Old West, sometimes the hotel and saloon was the center of town. And that's where the gates were of the city. That's where businesses were transacted. That's where things went on. And lots sitting there right with the leaders of the city, fitting in. And Abraham's praying, interceding, and he's thinking, okay, I know there was Lot and his wife and his daughters, and maybe there's some son-in-laws, and some of the people that went down with Lot are, still have to be faithful. So, Lord, if there's just 10, would you save the city for 10? And God said, yes. Some people have said, God has to bring judgment against the United States of America. And he may yet do that. But maybe he's waiting because there's some righteous ones here who would suffer if that happened. And God's being patient for our sakes. See, here's what Abraham was doing. Abraham was praying to the Lord and interceding for those who who were not following the Lord. I've prayed with some of the members of our church over their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren who are not following the Lord. Some of them have made horrible life choices. Some of them have just, just strayed away. They're not following the Lord. And it's a grief and it's a burden. So what did Abraham do? He prayed. He interceded for them. He begged and pleaded. If you know the end of the story, there weren't ten righteous people found. And God brought destruction down on Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but the thing is, what was the man of God doing? He was praying. He was interceding. Remember the Apostle Paul? Uh, Even though Jewish leaders had hounded him, had attacked him, tried to kill him, what is Paul doing? He's praying for those people. And he said, my prayer, my heart's desire for Israel is that they might be saved. Uh, you You can't enable people in their sin, make them comfortable in their sin, or help them in that process. You cannot condone their sin. But you can pray for God to show grace to bring them to repentance. And that's what Abraham was praying, that God would show grace that they could be saved. Abraham was walking in wisdom toward the people who chose not to follow the Lord. I think one of the biggest problems with Christianity in America, one of the biggest problems is that Christians do not show wisdom toward the unsaved. We see their suffering and we ignore it because they brought this on themselves. We, we see their brokenness and we think they chose to live that way. Uh, we don't reach out and help. We don't get active where we can. We don't pray earnestly for God's grace toward them. In fact, I've sadly heard some ranting preachers on the internet ranting that we should pray for God's judgment on the Capitol building and the White House because they've strayed so far from God. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says pray for those who are in authority, that we can have a peaceable life as we follow God. Yes, we want to pray for their salvation and their repentance, for wisdom spiritually, but not for God's judgment upon them. In fact, if you read the story that Jesus Christ tells of a man who actually spent a little time in hell, if you really read that and really understand what that's saying, you don't want anybody to have to face the judgment of God. You will intercede and beg and plead for on their behalf before your Lord just like Abraham did. So what are you doing? Are you keeping your distance because of their known wickedness? Are you helping where you can help? Are you uh, trusting in the Lord? Are you praying? What are you doing toward those who do not follow the Lord? We have an obligation and a wonderful opportunity to minister for Christ to them. Let's do it. Hymn number 664 in your hymnal, Take my life, lead me, Lord. Take my life, lead me, Lord.